Welcome back to the Book of Mormon with Grandma. We're in 1 Nephi 19 today. The family's landed in the Promised Land, and Nephi has found ore, and now he's been commanded to make a second set of plates. We remember this from him telling us in chapters 6 and 9. This is um, 1 Nephi 19.2, but I'm going to insert the large plates and the small plates at certain points so that you understand. Okay, verse 2, And I knew not at the time when I made them, the large plates, that I should be commanded of the Lord to make these plates, the small plates. Wherefore, the record of my father and the genealogy of his fathers and the more part of all our proceedings in the wilderness are engraven upon these those first plates, the large plates, of which I have spoken. Wherefore, the things which transpired before I made these plates, the small plates, are of a truth more particularly made mention upon the first plates, the large plates. So Nephi is making a record on these small plates, which will then be attached to the beginning of the Book of Mormon to replace the 116 pages of the large plates that Martin Harris lost. So what we've been reading from is from the small plates that he now is telling us he's commanded to make for a reason he does not know why. So as we're reading in our Book of Mormon, we're reading from the small plates. The, he's told that the things he should write on these small plates should be more of a ministry of the people and for instructing the people, and that these plates should be passed down from each generation until the Lord says different. Nephi's having to choose what's sacred and what is not, and he makes the observation then about what is of value to some people might not be valuable to others, and he, this starts his discussion on the value of the Savior and what he saw happening to uh, the Savior. He's also going to teach these things to his brothers. This is in 1 Nephi 19.7. For the things which some, mean, some men esteem to be of great worth, both to the body and soul, others set it not and trample under their feet. Yea, even the very God of Israel do men trample under their feet. I say trample under their feet, but I would speak in other words, they set him at naught and hearken not to the voice of his counsels. That term set at naught means they are considered worthless and unimportant. Remember that Nephi is living before the Savior is born. He's trying to tell his brothers what will be happening to the Savior when he comes. And I'm sure what he sees happening to his own descendants and those of his brothers, who will also esteem the Savior as not in the end. I think Nephi is being very pointed about what he's trying to teach his brothers and how they're refusing to listen to the Lord and setting the Savior at naught. So now he tells them that when the Savior comes, the Jews will treat him as a thing of naught. He also introduces us to some prophets who also testified of the Savior, Zenos, Zenoch, and Neom. We hear the names of these prophets more in the Book of Mormon than anywhere else. Perhaps these are some of the books that will come forward someday when we're ready to receive them. So let's see if you can pick up some, pick out some of the things that they will say will happen to the Savior. This is in verse 9 and 10. And the world, because of their iniquity, will judge him to be a thing of naught. Wherefore they scourge him, and he suffereth it. They smite him, and he suffereth it. Yea, they spit upon him, and he suffereth it, because of his loving kindness and his long suffering towards the children of men. And the God of our fathers, who were led out of Egypt, out of bondage, also were preserved in the wilderness by him. Yea, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and the God of Jacob yieldeth himself, according to the words of the angel, as a man, into the hands of wicked men, to be lifted up, according to the words of Zenoch, and to be crucified according to the words of Neam, and to be buried in a sepulchre, according to the words of Zenos, wherefore which he spake concerning the three days of darkness, which should be a sign given of his death unto those who should inhabit the isles of the sea, more especially given unto those who are of the house of Israel. He suffered everything that was thrown at him, 
They spit on him, they scourged him, they crucified him, and he suffered it. And did you hear why he did it? This is a Sunday school answer for sure. It's the atonement. But it says because of his loving kindness and long-suffering towards us, you and me, because he loved us and he does not regard us as something of naught. He tells them that Israel will be scattered and the reason why. In verse 14, it says, because they turned their hearts aside and despised the Savior. And because of that, they will wander and be hated among all nations. You can clearly see that prophecy has come, that prophecy has come true for the Jews, even today, as we look at what's happening in Israel. Elder Bruce R. McConkie said, Our Israelite forebears were scattered because they rejected the gospel, defiled the priesthood, forsook the church, departed from the kingdom. They were scattered because they turned from the Lord worshipped false gods, and walked in all the ways of the heathen nations. They were scattered because they rejected the Lord Jehovah, who is the Lord Jesus, of whom all the prophets testified. Israel was scattered for apostasy. That was Bruce R. McConkie. What are some ways today that someone might turn their heart aside from the Lord? I found a guy online who said some interesting things. He said, A heart that is far from God does not carry out his instructions. A heart that is far from God believes it knows better than God. A heart that is far from God fears and obeys men rather than God. A heart that that is far from God does not practice true repentance. It truly goes along with setting the Savior at naught and turning our hearts aside from him. But the Lord gathers Israel when they repent and turn their hearts to him. One day he will remember the covenant that was made to the Jews and he'll gather them back in. The same he does for us today when we repent and turn our hearts to him. He brings us back. He tells us and them and the people he knows will read this book, someday the purpose of this book. This is in verse 18. And I, Nephi, have written these things unto my people that perhaps I might persuade them that they would remember the Lord their Redeemer. President Eyring said this, I will make you this promise about reading the Book of Mormon. You will be drawn to it as you understand that the Lord has embedded in it his message to you. Nephi, Mormon, and Moroni knew that, and those who put it together put in messages for you. It's a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and the atonement and how it may work in their lives. This is, uh, that was Henry B. Eyring. Okay, back to verse 22. Now it came to pass that I, Nephi, did teach my brethren these things, and it came to pass that I did read many things to them, which were engraven upon the plates of brass, that they might know concerning the doings of the Lord in other lands among people of old. And I did read many things unto them which were written in the books of Moses, but that I might more fully persuade them to believe in the Lord their Redeemer. I did read unto them that which was written by the prophet Isaiah, for I did liken all scriptures unto us, that it might be for our profit and learning. So many things he taught them to try to get them to understand the gospel, to persuade them. But it wasn't just his brothers he's trying to persuade, it's us too. He hopes that we'll be persuaded to remember the Lord. But how do we liken the scriptures to ourselves so it becomes something we can learn from? Well, the word liken means to compare. That means that we compare a story from the scriptures to something that might be happening in our own lives or in the world or the way we feel. It then helps us to find truths in the scriptures, answers to our problems, how someone in the scriptures handled their problem like ours. It's how we can make the scriptures part of our lives and find the answers we seek. Then the goal is 
to find out what we need to do with what we've learned. President Ezra Taft Benson tells us another way to think of the scriptures. This is what he said, If they saw our day and chose those things which would be of greatest worth to us, is not that, is not that how we should study the Book of Mormon? We should constantly ask ourselves, why did the Lord inspire Mormon or Moroni or Alma to include that in his record? What lesson can I learn from that to help me live in this day and age? That was Ezra Tef Tef Benson. It's truly important for us to see ourselves in the scriptures. It's not enough to read the stories and say, wow, that Nephi was something. Instead, we need to say, how would I have handled that situation? Or how is this like something that's happening in my life? Or how can I be more like what I'm reading about? Why did they put that story in there? One scripture that's always helped me liken myself to someone in the scriptures was Pahoran. I don't want to get too far ahead in the Book of Mormon, but Moroni rails on him because he's not sent fresh soldiers or supplies and tells him, you've left us out here to suffer. And then for a whole epistle, He calls him terrible things and says he better do something or I'm coming there to visit you with utter destruction. He doesn't know that Pohoran and his people are experiencing a revolt and a rebellion and that Pohoran has left the area and is no longer in charge. But it's Pohoran's reaction that I love and that reminds me how I should be. After this terrible tongue lashing, he just says to Moroni, You have censured me, but it mattereth not. I am not angry, but I do rejoice in the greatness of your heart. Wow. Isn't even mad at the tongue lashing, but loves Moroni still. A lesson for me every time I read it. There are lessons for all of us in the scriptures. We are going to be offended by someone at some time because of what they said or did. Someone once said, and I hope I'm quoting this right, if you haven't been offended, you haven't been in the church long enough. We can rail back... Uh, rail back and offend back, or we can be Bahoran. I hope you look for the scripture or scriptures that speaks to your soul and helps you learn something for your profit and learning. And I hope this year, as you study the Book of Mormon, that you too will understand the importance of its message to you. So, until next time. <music> <laughs>